can we actually listen to God? Like, what does it mean to be guided by the Holy Spirit? Is that just the Christian version of following our hearts? Like, how do we know we aren't just hearing whatever we want to hear? Like, God told me I should marry you and you've been on one date, right? Like, if we really want to be able to listen to God, then we need to practice the art of following Jesus. So, let's talk about it together. Our days are so busy and full and loud. Like whether it's talking with, with clients or family or friends or constantly scrolling and reading other people's reactions to the world and then reacting to their reactions, or whether it's like the news or the shows we watch, or even music just blaring at us incessantly, our lives are noisy. So much so that we rarely have a chance to even like just sit and think. And besides, I mean, how productive would that be, right? We need to be doing something all the time. Trying to navigate our lives in this sea of noise feels hectic and, and fractured. It's exhausting and overwhelming, but there's another way. Jesus said he can give us lives of peace and clarity and purpose and meaning. He promised that those who accept him as their king will be given the Holy Spirit, the personal presence of God himself living in them, to live in them and guide them daily. In fact, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So to follow Jesus, we have to be able to hear him. And we would all love to be able to have God's guidance in our lives, right? And be able to hear him lead us. But the problem is the noise of our lives often muffles the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now for 2000 years, Jesus followers have practiced purposely eliminating, eliminating the noises and distractions that compete for our attention. It's freed them to, to listen to Jesus' voice and follow where he leads. It's given them peace and comfort and guidance and courage and freedom. Like Just like uh, practicing the scales on the piano eventually frees us to make our own music or practicing our vocabulary words in French eventually frees us to speak fluently in French, these practices of following Jesus can free us to instinctively and effortless, effortlessly live the life Jesus would live if he were us. Jesus wants to lead you. So do you trust him to lead you? Then it's time that we were intentional about hearing him. To hear the Holy Spirit, we have to purposely choose to listen. Jesus modeled how to do this over and over in his life. I want to show you one example from Jesus' life. Jesus was in the middle of like a really difficult and busy couple of days. His relative, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded by the king, and his head was gruesome, gruesomely presented as a present to the king's stepdaughter slash niece, which is a whole messed up story. And then as Jesus goes to process this news alone, he's swarmed by over 5,000 people wanting him to, to heal their sick and, and teach them. And he sees them, and he has compassion on them, so he heals their sick, and he teaches them all day long. And as evening comes, his disciples realize that they're in the middle of nowhere, and there's no food for all these people. And so they tell Jesus to send the people away to go get their own food. And Jesus is like, that's not necessary. You feed them. And the disciples say, uh, it's like over 5,000 people. There's 12 of us and we've been following you, not getting a paycheck. Like that's impossible, Jesus. And Jesus says, fine, then give me what you have. And they give him five loaves of bread and, and two fish that they got from a boy. And Jesus prays and he begins breaking the food and gives it to the disciples to hand out to serve everyone. And the food just keeps multiplying. And by the end, everyone, over 5,000 people, are fed to their limit. And then 
Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Like in this short little passage, we see all wrapped together three things that actually will help us shut out the noise and actually listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Solitude, silence, and prayer. Jesus went off to be alone with no noise around him and prayed. Now, why these three things? Why are these, we see it over and over, why are these so central to Jesus's life and the life he offers? So what I want to do, I want to look at all three of these kind of on their own and see how they work together at the end. Now, extroverts, I know, solitude, silence, and prayer. Just bear with me until the end, okay? Now, a lot of what I'm going to talk about comes from a book called The Spirit of Disciplines by a guy named Dallas Willard. I highly recommend you check that out if this even piques your interest a little bit. But here's what we're going to see. First, solitude. Solitude is purposely withdrawing from interaction with other people. And this is more than just like going off to be alone in nature, which is great, but that's not what this is. This is purposely choosing to be away from others in order to have the freedom to be yourself with God. See, this solitude actually frees us. It frees us from worrying about what others are thinking and frees us from having to prove ourselves to anyone. It frees us from having to think of what next to say and and watching our tone and facial expressions around other people. In fact, it frees us to look at the world without others telling us what we're supposed to see. Solitude frees us to be ourselves with the God who made ourselves. But it also, and this is kind of the scary part, it frees us not just to be ourselves, but to also see ourselves. The masks that we love to wear won't help us when we're in solitude. The parts we are so used to playing mean nothing when it's just us and God, because the only people there already know the truth of who we are. And it can be terrifying if we haven't actually taken the time to have a a true look at ourselves in a while. And that's why this practice of solitude isn't just about being alone with ourselves. It's about being alone with God. In fact, God says in Psalm 46, he says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Stop doing all your stuff and go alone for a while and be with me. Know that I am God. See, God already knows everything about us. And he chooses to love us and like us and even enjoy us. So in this solitude, we can actually look, get an honest look at ourselves, even look at our demons. And then Jesus says, give them to me. I can handle them. And solitude also creates a a closeness and an awareness of God that we bring back into our interactions with others. And with this solitude comes another integral practice. Silence. Think about it. Actual silence is so rare in our lives. If I just pause right now for two minutes... Nobody would watch. It'd be so weird, right? Silence. As much as possible, we eliminate the sounds around us that constantly try to grab our attention. Whether it's TV or music or our phone or even even books and conversations, even street noise. Silence allows us to have the solitude alone with just God and us. Now, again, just like solitude, silence can be a little unnerving. First of all, like I said, we're not used to like not having noises. Even if you're alone in your house, you can hear your fridge doing its little ice thing or whatever. And second, it's unnerving because when it's just us and God with no distractions, 
we discover our true depth of relationship with God. Like, is there even a relationship there? Is there much there? Is it like, you know, old friends interacting, just really like life-giving to each other in a conversation? Or is it more like when you're hanging out with a friend and then they bring their friend, but then your friend goes to the bathroom, you're just both sitting there and you're like, what are you talking about? Awkward. But this kind of silence provides the space we need in order to hear the Holy Spirit. It allows him to use our thoughts to think his thoughts. It allows him to communicate his encouragement and direction and, and redirection that he has for us. And the silence also trains us to stop talking when we don't need to. Think about it. So much harm in life could be avoided if we learned to keep our mouths shut. In silence, we learn to listen instead of react. We learn to pay attention instead of grab attention. We learn to control our tongues instead of letting our tongues control us, like Jesus' little brother James said. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So, the practice of silence, like solitude, is a practice that allows us to better love those around us. But the life Jesus offers isn't just about us being quiet while God downloads his info into our minds. No, the life Jesus offers is first and foremost a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And relationships require communication. So when we read about Jesus, he wasn't just alone and quiet. He also prayed. Prayer is a back and forth conversation with God, either aloud or in our thoughts. And if you've never actually prayed aloud alone, it's worth a try. Now, this kind of prayer isn't just us asking for things like, you know, get sitting on Santa's lap and running through our list. I mean, that's involved. We can definitely ask for things. But this is more active listening. It's a conversation with God where we expect to hear from him, where we are open and honest about our celebrations, what we're, what we're thankful for, our fears, our frustrations, our hopes, our dreams, our disappointments. We ask for direction. We ask for healing. We ask for opportunity to bless others. And when we combine solitude and silence, it gives God an opportunity to answer us directly or even indirectly, however he chooses. See, prayer helps put our problems in true perspective. The size of our problems shrink as our view of God grows. The smaller our view of God, the bigger our problems appear. But the bigger our view of God, the smaller our problems are. I Before I, I taught this, while I was studying, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should try some of these things because they're, they're new for me. And so I decided, you know, my family was gone doing some adventure with homeschool or whatever. And so I took a walk and I looked around at the trees on our, by our house. And I was like, God, you know, what? I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to, I'm going to listen. And I said, these are, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm worried right now, God, like Cross Creek, the church financially, we've never been lower. And we're looking at a summer where summer is usually really low and you know, things, I don't know where things are going to go. I'm really worried. And so I went to the tree, or I just went outside, actually, and I just I just stood there, and I'm looking around, and if you've been in Oregon for a while, you're realizing spring really hasn't sprung yet. It's still winter. And I'm looking around, and everything's dead. And I'm like, this kind of this kind of makes, it's how I feel about where things are right now. Like, is is the church dying? Is it is it dead? What are we going to do? And I mean, there's been, like, some of you have grown so much, and it's been so encouraging, and I'm just like, oh, God, we want to keep that going. But so I just decided, silent, and just and just listen. And immediately, which I know doesn't always happen, but immediately I looked up at this huge maple tree we have, and it just looks dead. 
But then I looked again, and at the very tip were these huge buds of like spring trying to fight through, right? And it, it felt like God was saying, yes, things don't look good, but look at this tree. It has hope for spring. And, the, and in a little bit, this tree is going to explode with life. And I really felt like, God, is that for me? And I almost felt like he said, yep. <laughs> like you're seeing some buds and someday there will be life. You just need to hang on. And that's what happens, I think, when we allow God to speak to us, to give us his encouragement and his thoughts. And as we practice this kind of prayer in our solitude and silence, it trains us to be able to speak to God in every situation we find ourselves. So it's not even just for ourselves. It's for all over. It allows us to pray without ceasing, as Paul puts it. And the more we pray, the more we think to pray in the big things, like my worries, or even the mundane parts of life, like when your kids are just being annoying, which then allows us to be continually in contact with God. As we're constantly praying and reminding to pray, it allows us to remember to be with God, with, to continually be in contact with his love and his grace and his patience and his encouragement and his courage and his strength and his power. And then when we're constantly in contact with that, we can't help but be transformed. And when we have practiced this prayer alone, it trains us to pray for and with each other as a community, to, to bless each other and encourage each other and do the same for our community at large. My dad had a, a friend, his name was Ray Scroggs, and he's he's died a while ago now. But I remember we were in this, I was an intern at, at this church and he kind of was an elder and came in and, and prayed with us. And he came in with his cane, right? Like if you've seen uh, Attack of the Clones, right? And Yoda comes in with his cane. It's the same way. He comes in with his cane and he, he sits down really slowly because his body hurts. And it's time to pray. And Ray, like, it's almost like when, if you've seen the movie, when Yoda drops his cane and starts flipping around fighting Count Dooku, that's the exact same way Ray prayed. Like, it was just like, this guy knows God. Like, this is not this guy's first rodeo. He knows God. And he's just talking to him like his best friend. And he's just saying things that like is encouraging to us. And you just know it's, he's not even saying it for us. He just, it was amazing. That's how private prayer can now be used to encourage the whole community. Now at this point, you might be saying cute stories, John, that's cool. You know, sure. That sounds great. But like to actually be able to have solitude and silence and, and pray like this, you gotta be like a monk or something. Like, we can't just wander around the countryside and be alone and quiet and praying whenever we want. We have responsibilities. Like, we have families. How can I be alone when I can't even go to the bathroom without some kid knocking on the door, right? So how do we actually practice these things? Now, if this is new to you, and some of it is new to me, I am going to encourage us to take it small. Take it slow at first. At some point, maybe we'll be at the place where we can like take personal retreats for a few days and have solitude, silence, and prayer for a few days. But I mean, even if you have the ability and time to do that right now, a few days starting out might be pretty overwhelming if you haven't trained for it. Kind of like running a marathon would be overwhelming when you haven't even run a nonstop mile yet. And so here's, here's my invitation. Let's practice micro solitude, silent prayer moments. If you're, if you're driving by yourself, Maybe turn off the music, turn off the talk radio and talk to God. In fact, nobody will even, you can talk out loud. Nobody will even know if you're on your, on your phone or not. Take a walk at lunch once or twice a week and leave your phone on your desk. Maybe if you're one of those with the longer bathroom visits, if you know what I mean, 
leave your phone or the book in the other room and have quiet with God. In fact, that's probably more hygienic anyway. Yeah, but John, I've got kids. Well, if you have a partner or, or a babysitter even, if you have a partner, give each other space to have that solitude and silence. Say like, hey, tonight I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to take care of the kids while you go and have your solitude and silence. And then maybe, you know, another, another night this week, you take an hour. In fact, if you're having a restless, sleepless night, what a great opportunity to practice solitude, silence, and prayer. Like instead of, instead of stressing that you need to get sleep for your big day tomorrow and now you just can't go to sleep because you're so stressed and you know you got to get up and have the meeting, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this is God giving you an opportunity to talk to him about that big day tomorrow. And it, when you can't sleep, instead of grabbing your phone, which is proven to keep you awake anyway, practice solitude, silence, and prayer. So however you go about finding this time, as you begin, maybe start your time by telling him thank you. Thank you for what he's done in your life, everything he's given to you. Take a little bit of time to say thank you. And then pray something like this. Holy Spirit, please use this time as you will. Show me what I need to see. Say what I need to hear. Show me which thoughts are from you. And if you pray that, then be quiet and alone with your God. Don't babble on and on with all your things. Just be quiet. And if concerns come up in your mind, then talk to God about them. If your mind starts to wander, it doesn't mean you're not doing it right. In fact, if your mind starts to wander, invite God into that wander. He might have a destination for you that you can only get to if you wander in it together. Maybe journal your thoughts and, and what you think he might be saying to you. And during this time, you might be, if you, you know, this is kind of your background, you might be tempted to, to listen to worship music or, or read the biblical writings. Those are not bad things at all. But these practices right here, solitude, silence, and prayer, aren't for that. God can speak through those, sure. But you know what? He spoke clearly and powerfully long before either of those things existed. Now you might be saying, so John, okay, so isn't this just like meditation? No, this is not for the purpose of emptying our minds and, and finding inner peace. This is for God to speak to us, to fill our mind. This is for us to know him and our relationship with him better and better. This is deeply thinking on the things of God and listening for his voice, however he chooses to communicate. Maybe someone else is saying, but John, this just sounds so unproductive, like doing nothing. Who's got time for that? See, we've been trained that we need to get things done because we're Americans. We get things done. This solitude, silence, and prayer is a chance to trust that God will take care of what needs to be taken care of. It's a chance to remind ourselves that the world doesn't depend on us or our productivity. Like, think about it. Jesus, God in a body on earth, could have said, I don't have time for, for silence and solitude and prayer. I've got people to heal. Like, it's the middle, first century Middle East. There's so many things I could heal. But think about it. Would he have been able to heal and teach and love the unlovable without that solitude, silence, and prayer and that communication with his Father and the Holy Spirit? You might be saying, well, yeah, but he was God. Yes, but he was also human, and he knew he needed these things. Now, if you're an extrovert, maybe the idea of being by yourself quietly like this sounds pretty uncomfortable. Now, some of these practices will come more naturally to some people than, than others. Like introverts might be thinking, man, this sounds amazing. Or maybe this sounds even easy. Good for you. 
It doesn't mean that if one person finds it easy and one person doesn't, it doesn't mean that one person is more spiritual or less spiritual than the other. These are not things we do to make God happy with us or impress anyone with our spirituality. But training isn't designed to be easy. Like many people could use the practice of silence to develop the skill of listening to know and understand instead of just like sitting there and waiting to respond and react. So maybe if this sounds difficult to you, instead of saying, that's just not me, I'm not wired that way, maybe say, this will be new for me. Why? Because we don't mature without learning to do new things. And the more we do it, the easier and more natural it becomes. As we build the stamina to, to be able to be quiet that long, longer periods will become more enjoyable. Remember, this isn't just like a one-time thing and then we're good to go. No. As with all the practices that we will talk about, this is something, like Jesus modeled, becomes part of our lives and our rhythm as we continue to practice it. See, if we really want to hear from God, if we really want God to speak to us, and we really want to be led by our shepherd, we have to make the space and the time to be able to hear him. In our world, it will take a conscious effort to turn off the noise and the distractions and truly communicate with our Heavenly Father. But if we make the effort to practice it, we will find a well of life and love so deep, so refreshing, so empowering that we can't help but be changed and transformed. We will experience a life not just of liking Jesus, but of truly following him. To follow Jesus, we have to be able to hear Jesus. Thanks for joining us online for this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church, whether it's on the podcast, uh, YouTube, or you got to us via our website. We appreciate you. Let us know you're watching by commenting on the video in YouTube, or you can send us an email at info at crosscreek.com. We also have a welcome form on our webpage, which is super easy to fill out. And uh, there's a free gift involved if you're interested in starting a conversation with us. It's just a fun way for us to get to know you and say hello. We have uh, in-person services on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. in South Salem. Our location and a map and all that good stuff's on our website. So feel free to check that out. You can also follow us on social media for updates and encouragement throughout your week. If you decide to try any of these practices in this series, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to hear about your experiences, how it's going for you, and just have a conversation with you about it. So send us an email or use that welcome forum to interact with us. We have small groups that meet weekly that you can join if you're interested in that. And we also have a middle school and high school connect group that meet on the first and third Sundays of every month. More information on our website as usual. Thanks for donating. If you are consider Cross Creek your church, uh, we really appreciate your uh, regular giving. There's a portal on our website that's secure and we are a 501c3. So it's a tax deductible gift um, and it keeps a good thing going. So thanks for that. We will see you next week.